Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 177 of the No Encore Music Podcast. There's a builder, a few doors down, blasting classic dance hit, Alice DJ's Better Off Alone, which I'd like to think we can all agree is a fucking summer jam. Yeah. Yeah? Welcome to August, baby. It like is it. August. <laughs> it is, yeah. I'm here with Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello. It's kind of a giddy vibe to the studio. You don't sound giddy. No, because you, I'm thinking about it too much now. But there was a second ago when okay. it was le- like less self-conscious. Would you so. do me a favour and work on that, yeah? Yeah, sure, shall do. Thanks. And we're joined this week by returning Dean Van Nguyen. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, Sonic Architect Eve is also in the studio with no microphone. Hi. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Dean, of course, cultural commentator, music journalist, arts poet himself. Uh, I've run out of... like the All bi- around good guy. The bylines. There are so many of them. <laughs> I mean, where do you start? Irish Times, Pitchfork, Dublin Enquirer, Forbes. Craig, you keep going. There's more. There's loads more, yeah. You can't name them all, can you? What did you name? Sorry, I've switched off there again. What on earth is this? <laughs> Sir, look, is this really the, the, the Craig level I'm getting on? Okay, fine. Dean, back to you. Oh Welcome back to the show. Yes. Thank you. It's been um, a long time now. It has been a while, and I'm glad you're back. Dolly's well, away. The last chance album. Is it time for another Chance the Rapper album, which we'll be getting to later? I feel like that's the last occasion you're on. Really? Possibly? Well, Maybe. Uh, I think most people seem on my wavelength now when it comes to Chance with this album, because if I was here for the last one, then I definitely gave it a some terrible... Yeah, some terrible we'll, we'll get lads. to it, but... Yeah, <laughs> we are, in fact, reviewing Chance the Rapper's debut album, quote-unquote, oh. later in the show. Uh, but yeah, so Dahi's out uh, permanently. I've decided to... <laughs> this stage, <laughs> yeah. remove yeah. that stain from the broadcast. It's been a shoddy summer from the boy. Busy uh, man in France. He's off in France doing music things, and then he's playing all together now. So we'll get him back next week, I hope. Yes, I think so. I believe so. But now, the present, the future, I would say. Dean Van Wyn. Uh You got a book out, mate? Yes. It's called Iron Age, The Art of Ghostface Killer, produced or published rather by Headstuff, I believe. Yes, yes. So I'm I'm, I'm here in the home of the book. <laughs> the home of the book. Wow. The home of the written word. Uh. Yeah, so it's out a few weeks now. A published author. Said it to him in the pub there and you were very demure. He said, I'm not really an author, but I disagree. It's you awesome. your name yeah. on the front of a book. Rubbish. Like, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> so I may uh, have sh- shaken my head in a in a 
passive manner, but I definitely didn't say that. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I, I take some creative license on the show uh, every now and then. So, yeah, of course, it is about Wu-Tang Clan's ghost face killer. What prompted you to put the series of essays together? And more importantly, why should people part with their hard-earned cash to read it? Uh, first one, uh, <laughs> I, um, I, I, oh, I, as working as a freelance writer, I always coming up with different, trying to come up with different ideas, the things to write about. And I just found myself with a ton of ideas that were either directly about Ghostface or were more about broader hip hop that he could feature in quite prominently. So it just started to make sense to me that, uh, it would be it would form a long form project, um, which it made sense that, to me that it would be him because I think he is one of the the, the really great rap artists. So that's what I tried to try to delve into, try to capture with it. Yeah, aside from like his obvious talent, and I'd have him. He's got to be top ten, right? Ever. I'd have him top 10. But anyway, his kind of like his consistency over the years, the length of his career, obviously the Wu Association. But him as like this storytelling guy, everything he's been interested in, like he always talks about like um, playing it from every angle. Like he's, do you know what I mean? He just sees every side of everything. So he's a good kind of launch pad for kind of vast discussions on culture. Just there's so many touchstones there with Ghost, yeah? Yeah, um, like with with the book, I did things like delve into um, comic book culture and, and it's its influence on hip hop because he you know he's quite prominent. He was calling himself Tony Stark long before yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I kind of go all the way back to the foundation of Staten Island in it and trying and trying to build the the where he came from as an artist. Um, so yeah, I think I think because he's he's he just unites so many different. F- factions of or so many different strands yeah. of what makes a great rap artist it was just really interesting to me to try and i suppose pull that all apart and look at them one by one and and you know identify the makeup of, of someone who has had an incredible career and i mean with regards to even the format of the book the way it's kind of presented it was just a case of like i know you're working on it for some time i remember talking about it ages ago i mean like when was it that you were like grand cool like that's essay number 12 that's it the book's ready i mean i'm just curious in terms of just structuring this and and, and how you know because i assume you could just continue to write about it i mean like there's obviously a lot more to say or maybe the book says everything (laughs) (laughs) you said it all case closed i'll pull back right there (laughs) like yeah i think when i started it it was going to be a lot more fractured um but i found that it actually slid together quite naturally like the pieces really started to fit Uh, it's you know, I, I decided to put in a little bit of biography in there just to add some context. And once like that kind of part fell into place, uh, I found that other other elements that I wanted to cover were quite natural to get into. Um, it almost could you could almost call it linear a little bit. Um, is in you know it goes right up until the the whole thing with Martin Kelly and and you know, and Action Bronson and all that kind of all those beefs with those guys. Uh, so yeah, you kind of start off, as I say, right back uh, in the birth of New York, and you, you end up all the way up to to that point. Uh, so yeah, I, I did, I did, it didn't, I didn't have a structure in mind when I started it, um, but I found that actually quite, it quite, it gelled together quite nicely. Yeah, that's kind of amazing because the danger with Wu Tang is that there's such a kind of rabbit hole when it goes. You know, that you can be talking about Eastern philosophy, horror films. It's just to find that structure and for it to fall in place, that's kind of a, a mini miracle, really. You could kind of get lost in the woods a little bit. Yeah, well, I wanted to, with this, lift him out of the Wu-Tang uh, mythos a little bit, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Um, because, of course, his, his his legacy is secure as part of, of the clan. will go down as one of the greatest groups of all time. But I think what sometimes gets lost in that is how his, what he has done as a solo artist. Particularly when you think about his he really started to hit a stride in kind of the mid 2000s uh when he was just he got into a groove when he was just releasing albums regularly and they were all fantastic you know i think that's like a real mark of a great artist when you start to, to just effortlessly kind of put out these great yeah. albums in really quick succession and that was around the time when you know, rizza was doing film scores and 
Method Man was acting and like some of those guys were struggling to get their solo albums out or heard. You know, ODB died at this point. So, yeah, and and, and not, not only did he, was he in a, a groove, he also started to really diverge his sound away from from the kind of classic clan aesthetic. Yeah. So there is like a ghost face sound as much, I think, as there is a Wu-Tang sound. Um, Very much so. So, yeah, it was important to me, I suppose, with this as well to, to kind of acknowledge that and, and to frame it in that kind of way. Mm. Once again, the name of the book is Iron Age, The Art of Ghostface Killer. It's available from headstuff.org, Amazon, and I presume all your good bookstores. That's, yeah, that's, that's what they say, isn't it? We're, <laughs> all right. Okay. So my, my question, though, I mean, obviously, like, you've now kind of set a precedent for yourself here by, by collating a series of essays on one artist and putting it into one long form narrative. If you were to do one on, say, Fontaine's DC, could you do as good of a job as the New York Times have done this week in their profile article that emerged midweek, uh, which I read this morning, Craig, yes. and I wanted to defenestrate myself <laughs> after yeah. the first paragraph. You can go all the way back to Joyce. And, um... Well, here's some, here's some uh, choice cuts. I mean, of course, look, we talked about Fontaine's before. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, revivalist post-punk lads who yeah. like talking about Dublin. And I feel like, I, I will say, we're kind of beating them up a little bit over the weeks and months. This is more on the New York Times, I feel, right? I think yeah. so, yeah. Okay, so essentially, like, here's some uh, here's some segments. Uh, Chatton, who's in an airport, had to kill... Green Chatton, the singer, had to kill the better part of the next 24 hours waiting for the next flight. He passed the time, he said, by, quote, drinking bad Guinness until it tasted like good Guinness. And uh, eventually he made it back to Dublin and to his parents' house, or, quote, unquote, gaff, as he calls it. Uh, later that day, in an interview with his bandmates at a pub near the studio where they rehearsed, Chatton had a rolled cigarette in his hand and a Flan O'Brien novel in his overcoat pocket. <laughs> sticking out of his overcoat pocket. He recalled That's that me he, every day of the week. Uh, yeah, it just goes on. I mean, there's lots of things. Uh, there's a part at the end of it where he's talking to the journalist and says that uh, he hands over some scraps of a verse he'd been writing during the tour and says, I don't know if you want that, handing it to the journalist who did. On the back were scrawled fragments about a salvaged life to live again and heaven through the fog. Irish mind and Irish eye. It was a romantic thing Irish to do pride. to hand over a note covered with half-baked poetry and perfectly on brand for a band so unafraid of seeming naive. Later, Sam, Chatton said to the bartender as he strolled out, yeah, the bartender answered, see you on the TV shows. Yeah, the lots TV of shows is... Yeah, lots of that. A, yeah. So I, my reaction to this album was one of disgust. Uh, I feel like I might be alone in this one. And yeah, I've definitely come down hard on the band. I'm definitely more Iron Fist. You might be a bit more Velvet Glove. Dean, you've written about them for Dublin Inquirer. What do you make of the backlash? What do you make of their authenticity? What do you make of them as a band? You mean the general backlash? Um, strange. <laughs> I mean, I, re- I really love the band. Uh, I think they're, the album is really, really great. It's okay. So it's not super surprising that uh, that you know because they've achieved a level of success that was not predicted. I don't think and hasn't been seen for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, you're opening yourself up to criticism uh, just because you've become a part of the cultural fabric. So people are more entitled, I think, to to go in on you. If the if a band had released that album and sold twenty copies, you wouldn't you wouldn't be as moved yeah. to. Display your disgust. I don't think. Well, I'm not threatened by their success or anything. <laughs> no, but it's yeah. It, it's it's when when you achieve a certain a level of success, you invite yourself into you more. Like of course, I mean, like, part, they're yeah. part, immediately part of the conversation. We so talked about all... we, yeah. We talked about Chance earlier, and it's the fact that he is one of the biggest rappers in the world now that I feel. It's it's appropriate to say that his music is rubbish. If he was just some kid, <laughs> if he was just some Jeez, kid from Chicago who was making that in his bedroom, I mean that's it's, well, yeah. This goes it, back to the picture, of this thing about punching up versus punching down. Yeah, it, yeah. That's, it's that's. I, I think they can take it. Is the problem? I think me tweeting about them negatively or whatever, it's not going to fucking hurt them. Like it's. I don't know. Sometimes that hurts people. Even <laughs> I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but that does me hurt people. Even teens are past having feelings. All right, it's just over. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, I feel like okay, so like, I feel like. You're somewhere in the middle on this, are you? Um, yeah, like I had my I feel problems like they've appreciated with... in value, and I wonder how much of that is their fault. Although I do... I well, don't, it's I kind don't of the that great. I, I, haven't or... that, I haven't come back to that album. I think it's kind of garbage. No, I think it's... Sorry, just to, to complete what you were asking me. Um, the Some of the reason for the backlash is also because they seem to have an ability to, like, really boil piss in interviews. Like, this is not the first time with this one that uh, they've upset people. Um, uh, they get accused, I think, because they do 
want to revel in in this. And I, I mean, I interviewed them for the Guardian, and an exact quote one of them came up out with was the whole romantic Ireland's dead and gone thing. People don't like to indulge too much in that kind of, I suppose you call it paddywhackery a little bit. Yeah. So they do upset people. Um, I, 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 I get it. I get it. I do, but I do find the, I suppose, the level of of kickback has surprised me even. I guess it's, you know, it's kind of so close to home and it is that thing of in Britain or in the US, there is that level of kind of the exotic and they don't have to, they don't know if something seems slightly disingenuous, which I'm not saying they are, but it's kind of broad strokes because they're not aware of the the nuance of the culture so of course the angle is going to be the romantic oh Irish poetry and blah 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 and it's it's like the Celtic equivalent of a kind of libertines thing back in the day so where it was just the they're well read and they're ragabond what do you the argument that like Eva Short former guest of this show was making today when she was saying that like this is the latest in a string of articles in which people who aren't from Ireland like like th- these publications could commission an Irish writer instead they're having American or English yeah. writers and who are obviously romanticising uh, the fuck out of everything at the same time I 100% agree but also and it's we're annoyed by that because we're Irish. Exactly. Like, and I think an international publication is allowed to have their international writers 100%, yeah. do that. It, granted, like, I mean, there is a, the work coming out of it. We're seeing it in a much different scope. I think, you know, I can see the argument for, for both approaches. But ultimately, I do think that on this one, it's less of a Fontaine's problem. Although at the same time, the image of fucking walking around with like a fucking classic literature book just falling out of your pocket. I mean, like, come on. Yeah, get a Kindle, yeah, I- mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was. I didn't have a major problem with the article. I, I was really surprised after I read it to see that so many people were upset by it. This is the this is the presentation that they put forward for for everybody and for the press and for, on interviews. They want to be linked to. I mean, if you look, if you read it, they are they're the ones that introduced the idea of of people like Yates into the into the into the interview. Um, so I really didn't have too much of a. It didn't insult me or uh, offend me as an Irish person. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe it's just kind of press overkill at this point, which again is not the band's fault. Sure. Yeah. I mean, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the parts that I they'll be the, fine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to put it on the New York Times, like a lot of the the more cringy stuff in the article is is the some of the quotes, but the band are very self aware. I think when it comes to that kind of, that kind of stuff, I mean, they're they're. I think we're also at a point in time where. Indie musicians and kind of guitar rock musicians can't get away with that in the way they once could, where they were kind of these romantic figures or they, you know, they had a bit of braggadocio about them. Now we kind of expect them to be a bit more humble, reserved. And I guess that ties into the decline of that kind of music and how it's not seen as relevant to what else is going on in music. So it's just like tone it down a bit as a general vibe. Yeah, I don't think they come across as not being humble. I think the uh, this idea that they obviously take it this very seriously and this idea because I know Green wrote poetry before he was ever in a band anyway. Yeah. I don't know what that was like but I think this idea of... of He'll the, hand you some of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're very the, lucky. <laughs> yeah, this idea of, 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 of white guys with writing poems to guitar music is is something that's we, we've run out of time for. You know, it's nothing to be romanticised anymore. That is what post punk is, though. <laughs> that that I mean that that they're not okay. They're not breaking any ground, but they're doing it better than a lot of, and people have done it in quite a while. Yeah, Craig, do you want to talk about as we wrap up this part of the show? Do you want to talk about the poignant chicken fillet roll? <laughs> <laughs> now, in fairness, they gave Girl Band uh, a shout out, which was great. Um, yeah, referencing that, those lyrics, of course. Um, and what was the exact line? Do you have it there? Did you take it down? Uh, hang on a second. I'll have you know while I'm uh, scanning my phone for this that uh, I just interviewed Girl Band and I did bring up the Fontaines. Uh, I don't have the line, but he he was basically making the point that Derek Keeley's use yeah the repetition of chicken fillet roll is really poignant, and I was like, is it? And like, I love Girlband, but I was like, is it poignant? In the context uh, of it, maybe. Possibly. But I will say, mythologizing uh, what's happening now rather than in the past was yeah, not I the general. Say, I've interviewed yeah. Girlband there, uh, audio on the show very soon, and talked about Fontaines and also talked about um, how Darrow was kind of politely asked by the rest of the band to not get as many food references into songs as possible. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, yeah, so it's all coming. What's the point? All then? coming on the show. 
show. Uh, also, sorry, uh, while I'm teasing future interviews, uh, I just spoke to Clown from Slipknot, by the way, which is... Big day for you. A huge day for <laughs> Teenage Dave is doing cartwheels right now. And yeah, but at one stage, Craig, he talked about like modern media and stuff and how he said, you're subscribed to all these stream platforms that you can't get out of. And I just thought, <laughs> who did I think of, Craig? <laughs> you thought of me. I thought of you. Still hasn't cancelled Amazon. So there you go, you're on Clown's Radar now. Uh, both those interviews coming in some form over the next few weeks, hopefully, even though I'm off in me halls very soon. This is yeah. my last episode for a few weeks, by the way. Yeah, um, someone you won't be interviewing soon is ASAP Rocky, why not? because he's banged up in Sweden. Um, yeah, we should just give a quick update, because we've been talking about this a fair bit. The latest is his mom visited him today, which is great. Uh, he's The trial began on Tuesday, and Donald Trump, who's been his uh, chief supporter, I guess, um, or supporter-in-chief, yeah. um, has sent an envoy to kind of monitor the whole thing on behalf of the US as it becomes increasingly an inter- international incident, um, this case he's up against of kind of an alleged assault. What do you think of Trump getting involved in? Yeah, I think it's really nefarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was, what was it, on the back of... of Kanye West, West, Kanye West calling him. Yeah, yeah. Nudging him, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Trump has no any idea who ASAP Rocky is. I don't think he necessarily cares. I think he's he he knows there's a, as a, there's a certain power to having Kanye West, who's one of the few uh, black celebrities who has backed him, endorsed him. Yeah, uh, I think he recognizes there's a certain power in that, and that's why he has decided to go down this this route of of getting involved, which is quite strange the way he's doing it. And I think the Swedes have, have kind of told him to piss off basically which is great <laughs> for them um i mean you say he isn't aware of who asap is but he has been including the dollar bill sign in all of his kind of very belligerent tweets so i mean he's done a bit of research maybe it's a new york thing i don't know well if tupac was on twitter or in a swedish Thank jail you. <laughs> link amazing question is would donald trump get involved or would the royals get involved oh. double link yeah, um, let's talk about another big day. Um, so according to Idris Elba, who was um, curating and playing a set at celebration of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's recent marriage, Tupac featured amongst the artists, along with the likes of Whitney Houston. Um, he was talking on our favourite show, Good Morning America. Um, and this is one of those, I guess it's it's fairly casual because it's just Idris talking off the back of he's, his cast su- success. He's, uh, pro- he's promoting uh, Hobbs and Shaw, the new oh, Fast and Furious spin-off movie okay. that I saw last Last night at a screening, and it's not great, is, is how I would describe it. But Idris Elba had a lot of fun in it, uh, fair play to him. And uh, he seemed to have a good time, and he said that Harry and Meghan had a great had time. Had a great time. I don't want to get into the details, so why are you here? But it was incredible. They had some particular music they wanted me to play, so he was DJing at the wedding. I mean, like, I think, if yeah, good choice. Idris well, Elba, to, oh, DJ. yeah, I thought you were talking about Tupac. I, I wonder what... Tupac was spun like California Love probably one of the bigger hits it's not we're not privileged enough to know yeah he's not gone into details that's yeah I didn't know he was in Cats isn't he in Cats he is in Cats I didn't I didn't realise oh yeah I'm reading it right now um, yeah, yeah which just is another reason to see that great movie that mm-hmm. we're all going to enjoy. Uh, okay, Craig. So uh, as previously discussed, and the studio studio update by the way, it's still very warm this week. <laughs> um, we haven't really like we've put together some news, but we haven't really done a great job of keeping it's up. Silly with season, news. and yeah. I feel like we're yeah. We're, I could tell an Idris Elba story if you want to skip the rest of the news. Do it, man. <gasps> Brilliant. What have you got for us? I saw him. Are you going to cancel Idris Elba? Or like, no, no. Idris, he was cool. I saw him. Uh, he performed live gig or a DJ set up on Leeson Street, I think. Um, and he showed up and uh, he I don't want to give any spoilers in case anyone hasn't seen all of his work but he uh, he did announce to the crowd that one of his the fame one of his more famous characters who had died was actually still alive which got a big round of applause <laughs> but I, I went up to him and uh, you know I said hello and I told him that I was a big fan of the movie The Losers and he gave me a thumbs down oh whoa so he doesn't rate his own movie The Losers <laughs> at least he's honest um, yeah Idris I don't know I think after the Sky ads, I went a bit off him. He seemed he's quite... He's still a cool guy. Smug. He is, And the yeah. TV show Luther is absolutely ridiculous, but he's really good in it, which is annoying, because okay. it's a terrible show and got yeah. more and more outlandish and stupid. Uh, so Idris not cancelled this week. One thing that has been cancelled, though, is Woodstock 50, which I swear has been cancelled 16 times at this stage. Yeah, this has been, been an, an ongoing disaster. thing. It's been an absolute disaster. It's not even kind of like a sexy festival cancellation. It's been all about permits, really. There was no, like blowjob sacrifices or anything like that. What a band they were. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was the writing was on the wall for ages. Um, there was a kind of a slew of artists just cancelling. Uh, Miley Cyrus, Jay Z, and the Raconteurs all had pulled out. The official announcement came this week. Um, in the press release, they said we are saddened that a series of unforeseen setbacks have made it impossible to put on a festival. We imagined the great lineup we had booked and the social engagement we were anticipating. So obviously, yeah, celebrating the 50th anniversary it was going to be free gig um, in the original location. Uh, kind of interesting just in terms of what it means for music. Um, but there's been no success with kind of revamped Woodstocks. And usually it Two ended Two words in- for you, mate. <laughs> Limp Bizkit. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, usually it ends in like fires and riots and mass crimes. So maybe good thing this was nipped in the bud early. I don't know. All right. I'm going to nip the news in the bud early. We're going to go straight to Songs of the Week because I think I'm going to pass out with the heat again. We'll start with Dean's track. This is Boy Wonder and a song called Demons. I got demons running around me that I can't shake. I got niggas looking for me, live with high stakes. I got feelings for that girl that I just can't face. But I'm a race for her love. I don't need no breaks. Because if she finds out that I love her, be the death of me. I don't need no one to be tied to now when nigga free. Best thing I ever did was get up, pack my shit and leave. I so that was Boy Wonder with Demons. Dean picked this track. Why did you pick this track, sir? Well, um, Boy Wonder, I think, is one of the more exciting Irish rappers at the moment. Um, I He's just released kind of a, a collection of singles so far, but he makes music, I think, in that real future, tight dollar sign kind of way where uh, this almost science fiction-y and really effective use of auto-tune and other vocal altering techniques that kind of drain his voice into a real like synthetic but soulful kind of way so he's just doing really interesting things and and he, he tends to work with the producer LHK who really really suits him as well so uh, yeah that's why I chose it yeah, it's it's a really strong relationship they're building and it's it's very like purposeful music and he's got a great kind of command i wasn't too familiar um with his stuff uh, but yeah this kind of blew me away a little bit i love the kind of dark trap of it and the kind of yeah the spacey thing totally comes true and a really kind of perfect like google search name as well with the number one in boy wonder just yeah good marketing (laughs) i just worry with your pivot to the advertising world craig that you've lost you've lost a certain sense of spirit you know um i love the conceit of this track like i love the kind of theme of it just it feels like a kind of really wayward pep talk or you know like self-help if you're your own worst enemy it's it's cool it's really interesting bars gonna be totally honest dean i didn't hear of him until you brought him to my radar uh when did you first discover him well then you didn't read my 20 top 20 irish rap songs of last year piece in which i posted number one you've got me (laughs) (laughs) i don't read things uh yeah no i I first i I, I write things i first saw him uh he did a set at the workman's just uh, on 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 the undercard of of something else, and uh, yeah, I just found him. He's just to sound really really interesting, and uh, yeah, he's he's making some of the real better stuff in the studio now as well. Yeah, I guess while we have you here, it might be uh, worth just asking a general question because like we've been talking a lot about Irish rap lately, with obviously the versatile controversy and everything. So, as someone who's been part of the scene or like reporting on the scene for a very very long time, do you agree with the general consensus that Irish rap is as good as it's ever been? I mean, like, is this actually true, or is there an element of hyperbole involved? Oh yeah, but I was saying that four years ago now, maybe. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm kind of done with talk to talk too much about. Irish rap as a as a whole scene. I've yeah, asked you James. the question. I've asked the question. <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 Once I'm, you I'm, identify a scene, it's already over, yeah, mate. Well, no, no, I think what I'm trying to get at is we've that's we're story, past the point of that yeah. story's been told. We know now that they're making really great rap music in Ireland. Um, what's kind of more interesting to me now is isolating some of these artists, like Boy Wonder and like artists like three, four years ago, I was mentioning as part being part of this great scene. Guys like Jafaris are making great albums now. It's more interesting to me now, I think, I think to kind of cover the, these pieces of work on their own merits. Um, I'm also kind of interested in some of the smaller local scenes. Like if you look at, I wrote a piece on Irish drill music, which is really coming out of places like Athlone and Balbriggan. And, you know, they're kind of challenging the, Dublin centric nature as well, I suppose, of Irish rap. So, yeah, is it, it too is it too Dublin centric, or is that just media reportage? No, I think it, that's look, that's natural. I mean, you know, we've, 
more highly populated area. Um, more break of a, it down for More us. of a cultural center. <laughs> Capital city. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's, it's, you see, it's not, look, it's not like we never thought there was a rapper outside of here. Like we're saying, I got a family and all that. But I suppose what's interesting is that there's certain um, sounds that are cropping up outside of Dublin that aren't necessarily as popular yeah. here. So, which is kind of interesting because if you look at something like the Irish drill thing um, coming out of parts of the Midlands, uh, you know, a lot of these guys know each other. They're like between the ages of maybe 15 and 19 and they're pulling sounds not just from Chicago or obviously the birth of drill, but mostly from, you know, South London. Uh, so it's, it's just completely self-contained. So, yeah, a lot of this stuff is, I think, is is really is hitting a stride. All right, let's see if Brock Hampton are hitting a stride again. This is a new track. It's called "I've Been Born Again." That's Brockhampton, a uh, very popular act. Played the Helix of all places in uh, Earl Stomping Grounds DCU last year, I think it was, Craig. Mm, By all accounts, yeah, a great gig. Uh, we talked about Brockhampton before. What is your general take? Uh, I'm a kind of more recent fan. We were talking uh, about Kevin Abstract's um, release this year, and I was kind of just like, what? I haven't, I just, they were passing me by. I was aware of them. I didn't realize the kind of uh, the depth of the quality that was there. Um, this is an interesting one I've, I've since caught up. It's kind of going back to some of their earlier stuff, even though they're very recent. But I think last year's Iridescence, which I actually really enjoyed, didn't do it for everyone. This is way heavier. The verses are like they're matching each other really well. Um, kind of hookless. I mean, there's a bit of that going on with the outro, which is really strong. But it's it's um, it kind of gets me interested in what the new album is going to sound like. Yeah, I think it's kind of garbage. Um, it's like <laughs> the beat kind of reminds me a little bit of Drop It Like It's Hot, which is cool. But I think that required a a, f- a flow that was going to bounce off the, the drums and bounce off the keys a little bit more. But he the, 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 his, the voice kind of slows to a crawl which and just kind of slithers on top of the, the, the beat, which just doesn't really work for me. So, yeah, and I, I, I think it was... Uh, just poor choice of of vocal. Yeah, I was expecting it to be better. There was a bit really? of yeah. I, I think because there's, there's an element of kind of hype, I suppose, like in, like in, in a yeah. good sense of the word hype, I guess, about them. And so I was like, oh, class! Like that's definitely gonna be my song of the week. It's gonna be great, right? And it was fine. Like it yeah, was, I it, really it was enjoyed fine. it. I liked the kind of vocal stuff. You did it just was kind live, of though, didn't you? Yes, it did. Um, How was the gr- vibe there? Great energy, um, tremendous. Yeah, so I like that kind of heaviness, and there is a jarring thing which I felt was purposeful, but. Um, yeah, I mean, generally, their their kind of more renowned stuff is a bit more. It's uh, a bit more of a flow to it. Is a bit more kind of intuitive. Um, but now this kind of this did it for me. All right, uh, let's see if the return of Haim, my favorite band, <laughs> does it for anybody. Uh, the song is called "Summer Girl." My housemate has described it as Tom's Diner for 2019. Ah. the corner at you from over my shoulder i need you i need you to understand these are the earthquake drills that we ran under the freeway overpass the tears behind your dark sunglasses the fears inside your heart's deepest gap and i can only presume that's because there's kind of a you know type stuff going on in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of buzz here as well. A lot of people saying, this is fucking unreal. It's great. Look, Paul Thomas Anderson's back making the video and they're all doing something slightly different for Heim track. Yeah. Which I do appreciate because to be fair, I've never quite got the Heim thing. I thought the most recent album was pretty bad. Um, I thought it was actually quite accomplished, but it was quite mannered. There was nothing really mind-blowing on it. I was kind of doubling down on what they're already doing. 
Yeah, you interviewed him a long time ago, right? Yeah, I've interviewed him a few times. Um, just kind of exuberant, very talented, uh, true sisters. Um, who just you kind of can't help but like when you meet them. But they're like they've got great chops. They've kind of they really tapped into that classical uh, West Coast songwriting thing on top of the kind of hip hop flourishes. But this is totally into kind of light jazz territory, and I thought it was yeah very strong. It's good. Yeah, again, I I just wasn't sailing away with it but it definitely was a step in the right direction but i wonder if it'll be more of an outlier what do you think yeah no this was cool i, I like the i really like the production on the drums they kind of sound like they were recorded in the far corner yeah it's a nice kind of shuffle to it yeah, yeah i like there's the there's a doo-doo-doo-y bit kind of bit that uh evokes a bit of lou reed for me yeah so uh yeah it's um kind of a, something you kind of listen to in if uh, you remember the TV show California Dreams, and they played, Do I? <laughs> they used to, they performed every week pretty much all their gigs in Sharkies, which is was was not the Max, which is what you're probably thinking of from Save the Bell. It was always called of course by the same producer and probably was filmed on the same set, yeah. and it was the same in every other way except it was yeah, Sharkies. Same kind of character archetypes, but like music. Yeah. Oh yeah. Essentially. Well, I'm talking specifically about Sharkies, you know, oh, okay. which was. <laughs> Not the Max, but it had, because it had uh, surfboards. It's like that same yeah, American yeah. high school that would turn up in, like, the faculty and she's all that, <laughs> American Pie. And yeah, and rather than, rather than Mr. Belding, they had Earl Boone, the actor from Termina- Terminator Movies, as the principal. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to get at here is... <laughs> this, is not, uh, <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. It sounds what I'm like... What trying to when, say is... <laughs> it sounds like a song you would listen to in Sharky's. Yeah, All it's right. very it's very vibey. I love that bass, the kind of ascending and descending thing. Rostam yeah. was on production. Um, that makes sense why I kind of like it then. Yeah, uh, It's all it. him. It, it doesn't quite insist upon itself the way some other Haim tracks do. Well, it's, it's Ariel Rechad as well, who's their longtime producer. Who um, a partner of Danielle Haim, who, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he's a talented bloke. but um, And all the right. song is actually about him and a, a cancer scare he had. He's much better now. Thankfully. Okay, cool. So. Uh, let's pivot to <laughs> some uh, some marital bliss, shall we? <laughs> it's time for Album of the Week. It's been teased a couple of times. I know what Dean's going to say about it. It is Chance the Rapper. It is the big day. It somehow is his debut album. And here is a track along with Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie fame. This is called Do You Remember? I learned I love the great outdoors Learn you get the fans if you can't keep your mouth closed That summer left a couple marks like Groucho That halo could turn hollow depending how low That summer left a couple tan lines I love my city, they let me cut the line on the damn rhyme They walk on eggshells and landmines They communicate with hand signs Okay, Craig Fitzpatrick. Oh, am I doing this? Chance the Rapper. <laughs> um, a Chicago star who started so brightly. Um, as you say, he's only been releasing uh, quote-unquote mixtapes up until now. He's probably been in the spotlight for coming on a decade, I guess. Um, came to my attention with 10 Day, which is a really interesting mixtape, uh, just dealing with his kind of high school years. Um, from there, Acid Rap, which I just thought was an absolutely outstanding uh, collection kind of highlighted his quirkiness really well and him kind of dealing with struggles. Um, since then, he's become more than just the rapper. He's, um, you know, he's getting political now. He does a lot of charity work. He's quite outspoken. Um, he kind of resolved some kind of drug issues and his faith came really came to the fore on his last, I wanted to say, album, um, but Colouring Book, which was his uh, third in a trilogy of mixtapes because they were free, I guess, um, which was very gospel-inspired. We talked about it. It's probably nearly three years ago now, the three of us here, and um, you two weren't too head up on the evangelical nature of it. I liked a lot of the material on it, but it's a slippery slope and he just keeps slipping. <laughs> I thought it was a dud. Uh, okay, so look, I'm going to I'm going to say my piece and I'm going to get out of the way because I feel like Dean will be able to articulate this better than I will. But I will say this. I I I think that my okay, my introduction to Chance the Rapper was on 
ultra light beam with Kanye West, which is like you're, you're <laughs> I starting. Like, I like the way you're stretching your hands am, into Jesus yeah. poses. Very appropriate. Standing up again. Um, <laughs> that was my introduction to Chance the Rapper, so I wasn't on board at the start. And I think ultimately, it's hardly his fault, is it? But the only way from there was down. I think that was absolutely his peak. And I kind of was like, this guy's going to be fucking unreal, right? And then I just. Didn't I feel like that might have been the beginning of the end. I think he'd passed his peak was, at that yeah. point. He told me, well, okay, well, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I still think that's a great feature and an amazing song. I, I can't get on board with Chance. I've tried. I can't do it. Um, I read a piece in Vulture this week by Craig Jenkins, which was really well written. Um, he's mostly on the side of Chance, but obviously he's, he's critical of him as well. But he mostly kind of was like, well, you know, like it's life's what you make it, isn't it? And yeah, I my take on Chance is he's not compelling enough to be a leading man. He's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a very capable actor, very dependable, very solid, good-looking dude. But not the lead of your movie. He's a good Hang support. on. <laughs> <laughs> he's good in Brick, I suppose, and the look oh, yeah. I sense a detour. I sense they're a detour. Like, they're artful indie movies. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cast Joseph Gordon-Levitt in my blockbuster movie, and Chance wants to be a blockbuster artist, I think. Uh, we'll talk, I presume, at some point about it being 22 tracks and 77, 77. minutes long. Which is Did you get through all five listens? That I'm going to be brutally honest, man. I, could, I can't start to finish this album. I can't do it. I there find was a number him, of tracks that, yeah, I could... I find, him, I find him weak. I find him him lightweight i find what he's what he's talking about to be not interesting maybe i'm missing something i think this album is horrifically bad i hated it dean what do you think yeah i I never loved chance Uh, acid rap i think is his best work but it's still i don't think it's brilliant and it's got some great songs on it but it's it was never even particularly compelling to me i agree you know ultralight beam was was fantastic i think what we showed that when he was working with somebody like Kanye West, he could extract brilliance from him. But when you stretched Ultralight Beam out onto a whole album, which was what he tried to really do with Covering Book, it was just awful and trite and not something I could in any way identify with. And it was really off-putting. Whereas this one, I had a kind of... I, I, it's even hard to <laughs> dig into what he's trying to do. I, he's like... He likes to fill his music with a lot of color, but he has no he 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 can't form all that color into anything anything cohesive or, or anything. And like I looked through the 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 track list and obviously like there's tons of guests and I thought to myself like okay, wow, cool. Um like the idea of chance on a song with Little Dirk is really really interesting. But they're all just chance songs with and and the guests are really on just on the on in the backseat even he's he makes a song with en vogue and the song itself is like it really does sound like an old en vogue song it sounds like an early 90s yeah. um something like maybe like early Aaliyah as well and like music is really, really inter- interesting and then you hear chance starting to rap and he has his his shtick has just gotten so it's starting to grate on me now like oh, yeah. his his this kind of wobbly no He's Half yeah. cartoonish voice. He's kind of got two modes, and they're both wobbly. There's wobbly sensitive, where his voice is constantly cracking because he's having such profound love for his fellow humans and his family. And also, there's quirky. I'm on a kind of uh, in berserker mode, wobbly, just when he's just lyrical miracle mode. But it, there's no, there's no real nuance. There's no real shades there, and really often it jars against the music. And what you're saying, like he can't, he can't like assimilate the whole thing it feels very pastiche and he just wants to have like a really kind of good party for his big day this yeah. is a one kilogram box of over sugared cereal and I wanted my teeth to fall the fuck out every time I threw it on well, I couldn't do it it's like a Hallmark album the third it's track it's just right? so yeah the third track is a track with Smino it's called Eternal it's come to be one of the worst songs I've heard all year and Smino's vocals are horrendously bad that vocal fry thing that I don't like and they're really bad uh, the lyrics are just really generic about, you know, side pieces and all that kind of stuff. And even the Deck Out for Kitty one, like, it works for me to a degree because, like, it's something like, you know, yeah, okay, it's like a classic emo-y tribe type track. They're in the same ballpark of sentimentality, so it doesn't feel... But it's not about anything. And, like, this is like... Well, I kind of like the idea of, like, having nostalgia for the now, although the now isn't that great. Except good, for like, are, are we really that many degrees removed here from Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber being like, oh, I'm married now, it's great. It's a very Ed Sheeran album. For 77 minutes. Okay, this is going to sound terrible, but you have to wait until I get to the end. (laughs) (laughs) I remember around 2004, um, R. Kelly put out a two-sided album. Jesus, (laughs) Dean. Let the man talk. Now, look, I think R. Kelly's music is an influence on Chance for sure. 
that's but just the music. Uh, just just to clarify, uh, there's no links between R. Kelly and and Chance. But there is now. R. Kelly is. Or I think R. Kelly, like he's you know Chicago. He, I think he's he's a Chance influence. Around kind of 2004, he he made it. He put out a double disc album, which was one half was gospel music, and the, oh, yeah. the, the other half was, um, I, I don't know, like upbeat, sunny. It was basically all all songs in the vein of "Step in the Name of Love," which had been one of his hits. Now, the album came. It was called "Happy People You Save Me." That's what it was called. The reason now the album kind of came out at around the time when R. The, R. Kelly was really first being embroiled in these massive scandals, and it seemed like a very uh, a really sinister move on his part to correct his image or to at least try to cleanse his image in some way. So I'm not saying like this way. This is why I say get to the end of this. I'm not saying Chance needs to do that in any way. But this album kind of sounds like the first half, like the the step in the name of love mm-hmm. style half of that album. But that was like nine songs, and it wasn't good. This is like 22 songs, and I don't have a problem. Like long hip hop, some of my favorite rap albums are 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 20 plus songs on them. But yeah, it's it, this is equally almost. It's like you can see listening to you can see Chance's smiling face look at at, at you, but. <laughs> just nothing behind it and you're kind of thinking you make happiness seem terrible (laughs) yeah yeah it's like he's you know on the medication that's just making everything go away except this kind of pleasant feeling but it's yeah and i kind of felt the same after coloring book which was obviously it was it was highly highly about religion which is fine i mean um most of the greatest rap is about religion like talking about tupac earlier made some of the best music about about christianity and its role in his life but with that album, it kind of just presented this idea of of religion as being a an answer to everything. You know, there mm-hmm. was there was no room in his life at all for for any sort of worry or, or fear or anything because he had religion on his side, which is completely bogus to me. And yeah. and played as such, this one is kind of he doesn't even come from with with that strong a message. It's just I'm so happy and. Well, like, I mean, you're not making me happy. You, you know, if man. you thought his relationship with God was really, really taxing, I feel like his relationship with his wife is equally right up there now. Because this poor woman. The, the biggest problem with me for, uh, with this album is like, find, do, you know, do an album about finding your eternal soulmate. I mean, they've been together for a long time since they were kids. There's, you learn so little about her in this. Like, it's very much just... My baby mama's so fine. Get away from me, you side pieces. Um, she makes me lunch occasionally. We go shoe shopping. It's a very weirdly immature kind of I love that you attitude towards marriage. <laughs> and it's, it's, I feel like it's very similar to his relationship with God in a sense. It is that thing of just like, Entitled? this is the cure-all. It's like he's wepon- He's using it as a shield. It's like he's weaponizing wholesomeness. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't know. There's no... There's no struggle there. There's no narrative of There's like, no conflict you know, not everything yeah. will always be sunshine and roses. Instead, you'll just say, of course we'll be because we're people that pray. It's a fucking album that is Wedding Day, which I couldn't, I just couldn't believe, I could believe it because it's chance, but I literally was like, I was sitting there last weekend looking at the kind of the liner notes or whatever and just being like, it's about his fucking wedding day. I was like, I can't believe I have to listen to a 77 minute album by Chance the Rapper's Wedding Day. Yeah, and it's so corny. Like, the like the, week the, of my life. The, the Death Cab for Cutie song, like, that guy, he's made a career out of... Hey, he's a corny dude, and he, but he's made a career out of <laughs> keeping... Like, being able to funnel his corniness into something quite nice. And you're like, man, you're so corny, but I, I get with this, like, postal service and all that stuff. Mm. Love that. This is just like... Because when Chance... And they, they put it to or just a really, really... Almost tripe, poppy kind of beat to it. And it's just excruciating. It felt like like leftover postal service arrangements that, that he happened to have on a four track somewhere. So much of this sounds like leftover something else. Yeah, it's it not really very is. well produced or like. Well, he's like there's not so many sonically at all. There's so, way too many cooks. I think there's just lots of producers, talented ones, but it's him executive producing. And I think Dean, you made a really good point about like Kanye extracting the best out of him, and he needs, I think, that guidance. Right, he needs a steer because there Sorry, is talent imagine, there. Can obviously. you imagine this was a this was a seven track album? Imagine this was part of those sessions. <laughs> Just feeling seven tracks, man. <laughs> That'll be like give me that. Give me. Uh, give I don't me think brevity. there's seven tracks here that you'd no, but, but give salvage. Me, <laughs> give me give me a seven track twenty one minute chance album, and maybe I'll be interested again. I will say these are sorry, yeah. No, just just going back to Ultralight Being Awake, that album, Pablo, it was a masterclass of Kanye West just showing that he could take 
it's just the good parts of, of yeah, people and Melbourne together. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, designer and, and all this. If you have tried listening to designer, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough going. And yeah, he, he mined them for one of the best hooks on the album. So I, I think chances level up from designer or can be. Um, because he, I say he made some like songs like Juice are great. Uh, Cocoa Butter Kisses is a great song. But I don't know what happened. I think a lot of that that acid rap stuff as well. There was like, there was a tension to it. Um, you know, a lot of bad shit has happened to Chance in his life, yeah. and some of that has come out in his music. So I, I, yeah, I I just find it all the more baffling that he can kind of present. And look, maybe I'm getting him wrong. Maybe he is genuinely a very very happy man. And, well, and you say that, but what about that thing of him like you know making MTV News take down a bad review? I, ho- I was hoping you were going to mention that. Yeah, yeah I mentioned yeah, yeah. it. Go off. No, that was uh, yeah. It, it, it just shows you that behind those that smiling those those smiling eyes it's, that there's something there's sinister. Steediness. If people don't know, that's uh, back you know at MTV News, which was a really great website, but didn't last for very long. Uh, they had some problems with MTV trying to balance the commercial side with their editorial freedom, and Chance basically told them that if you don't take down this article, which was a really really good live review by David Turner, uh, which wasn't unfair or unpleasant in any way. And it was it was quite personal from from David's point of view as well. Basically said, take it down or else we're never working with you again. And MTV did so. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shows you that he's... he can take criticism. Like I think there's other instances of this as well of him just kind of being really whiny when people come at him in any way whatsoever. But yeah, uh, someone who also propagates the everything's awesome guys isn't life grand thing. It's a really fucking slipping of the mask. Yeah, it? I mean it's that's what, but that's what I feel like about the weaponizing wholesomeness thing because it is. It becomes very passive aggressive, just that tone throughout, and quite dismissive. Um, and it doesn't help that they're like his just uniformly his worst bars ever. Like well, that's it's, we're into dad joke territory, like a hellscape of similes. Well, I was gonna like Drake <laughs> levels of just like chaining Tatum kind of stuff, but on every song. Just... I was gonna say that I'm not a fan of the needle drop Anthony Fantano, but I was urged to watch his review of okay. the Chance album. It's like a thirteen. It it's a thirteen-minute-long takedown. I think everyone should go watch it because at, at, at one point in the middle, he just starts listing off the lyrics, <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny, and the lyrics are genuinely shockingly bad. Uh, at the end of that review, Anthony Fontana gives it a zero out of ten oh. to a light one. I'm going to give this a light one because it exists. That's all I got to say about the rating of this album. I'll never listen to it again. I resent Chance the Rapper. He didn't ruin my week, but he came close. What did we give Ed Sheeran two? I don't remember. Two, I, yeah. I gave Eminem I'll zero give, before once. I give this a three just for a kind of some level of competency. I just, I can't go to a zero. It's not like it's... Yeah. I think like when was it one radiation and, or something. <laughs> zero ones and twos are na- yeah, Nazi punk into- and, and things like that. <laughs> I, 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 I'll go with three as well. But it'll be interesting to see because... You know, I think I was. We were one of the, the some of the lone voices who didn't like. Oh, people love Coloring him. Book. I, I feel um, like so there was still to see how he takes there was still criticism. stuff to take from Coloring Book. Like there was at least some memorable tunes on this. There's there's no saving grace. Yeah, I mean there was some nice. Yeah, actually in the middle part of Coloring Book, like there was you know like the Bieber song was pretty yeah, good. Like musically, it was working in spells. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This has yeah that had something. This has nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Three out of ten. <laughs> This episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Eve Murray, who's in the studio. Hi, Eve. How's it going? No. Very good. Yay. Thank you so much, Eve. Uh, other listening corner. Dean, what have you been listening to lately? Oh, uh, Max O'Cream's album. That's really good. Uh, that is almost everything that the Chance album isn't. It's, you know, humane and heartfelt and gripping. Uh, so Max O'Cream, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's, uh, he's out of Houston. Um and the 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 album it's it's named after one of his father's aliases, but it's it's kind of a lot about his relationship with his dad, which is is, is it's really really interesting. Um, what else do I have to mention? You you wanted I think you wanted to mention the, the Tandem Felix track, didn't you? Oh yeah, um, yes, uh, well, Tandem Felix. I I remember years ago uh, I when I I organized a gig actually, and I I put them on, and this was and I thought. I have a pretty. I think I have a pretty good eye for talent, right? So I thought these guys are going to be really, really big, um, or at least you know indie big. Uh, but and now finally their their album is coming out. Um, I found it really interesting that people were describing it as all country because I never I never thought of Tan Felix as that. But I mean, I love a bit of all country. And uh, what's the tune called again? Nightclub. Mm. I sold my soul to the devil. Yeah. Still Road going tune. strong. Yeah. So I'm super excited about uh, about the the long awaited 
first Hand and Felix album. That's Rom-Com, it arrives in October, I believe. We're all very excited. I hope it's going to be good. Otherwise, David Tappy is never allowed in the show ever again <laughs> if he lets us down. Craig, what have you been listening to? Um, it's been very kind of surface listening this week because I've been busy, but YBN Corday's uh, debut seems really promising, um, The Lost Boy. Uh, I think Dahi previously brought one of us. Yeah, it was the um, Anderson Pack feature track um, to the table. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of promise there and just kind of checking out some of Naz's collection of bits and bobs the lost tapes too and it's him obviously back in his comfort zone because it's just stuff he's been stockpiling as opposed to the kanye 7 track but there's seems like there's a few gems there i'll have to go back and listen to sweet that. i guess i can say now that i've been listening to the new albums from girl band and slipknot because i've interviewed both of them which is cool the lads if i'm not allowed <laughs> to say that sorry but uh the slipknot album arrives next week i won't be here to review it maybe i'll parachute in some proper thoughts on it girl band album arrives at the end of next month so i won't give you detailed thoughts on that other than to say it's a girl band album guys uh so what else have i been listening to not that much i think yeah just kind of flitting around spotify yeah you know it's summer it's summer we're all very busy <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm breed. it's so I'm warm it's fucking it's insanely yeah. warm okay so yes uh exit music this week uh we interviewed a mac on the show before a while ago and uh, Aoife was in along with dan mcintyre who is kind of like a huge wheel in, in AMAC. Uh, he had just come back from the Red Bull Music Academy. Uh, he makes music under the name of Lula Hush, and he is putting out a new track now. I think it's the second track he's put out in recent times. It's called Elysium. Really, really interesting stuff. Very, like, experimental, uh, kind of dark, but also hopeful. That kind of beautiful, oh. like, sonic palette I love to live in yeah. when you can uh, yeah super talented bloke uh, cool guy very much enjoyed talking to him before then and you can hear his new track Elysium by Lilla Hush now on No Encore my name is Dave Hanready this has been No Encore I'm very warm see you in a few weeks bye <laughs>
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.